Hello. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information about this and other projects, please visit www.thoughtjarproductions.com. That's www.thoughtjarproductions.com. We can also be found at Thoughtjar Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to this program on iTunes and on Spotify, and please tell your friends about this show. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast where we review the films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this episode. This week we mark the passing of one of the most influential directors of the 20th century, a man who re-envisioned the concept of the zombie and laid the groundwork for the countless films, television programs, books and video games that followed. Without this man, there would very likely not be The Walking Dead, Left for Dead, Shaun of the Dead, or countless other properties with the word dead in the title. (laughs) We are, of course, talking about George A. Romero, who has sadly passed away in the last week. To mark the occasion, we are reviewing the film that brought Romero international celebrity as a cult horror director, 1968's The Night of the Living Dead. Joining me to watch and review The Night of the Living Dead are my two guests, one who has seen the film before and one who has not. My guest who has seen the film, returning to the show, Mr Andrew David. Andrew, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Stephen. And uh, just a reminder for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I am Andrew David and I am a special effects workshop assistant for a local company called Traumasim, where we do uh, blood and guts special effects for medical training. I also do set design and live Foley production and a million other things in local theatre and film. Excellent. And joining us as our person who hasn't seen the film and making her debut appearance, it's Nicola <laughs> Brescianini. Nicola, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, just for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Nicola Brescianini. That's the first one. Did I say it yeah, wrong? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Look, I will admit, you have a very long last name. I do. Too many eyes. Right. Yeah. So, so it's Brescianini. 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 Sorry. Um, <laughs> We're off to a good start. Yeah. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, but I don't force the kids to call me Brushinini there, so yeah. they kind of get out of that one. Or You're like a Miss, Miss, B? Miss B? I'm a Miss B, yeah. yeah. Although okay. the other day I had a kid be like, Miss Disney, and I was like, are you talking to me? Well, you do so. mention Disney because you are maybe the biggest Disney fan I know, and that's saying something because obviously Disney's very popular. Um, <laughs> You're the only person I know that's worked at Disney. Oh, so. stop. Okay, we will. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, unfortunately today is not a Disney film. Uh, you are here as someone who has not seen The Night of the Living Dead. So no. what do you know of The Night of the Living Dead? Well, to be honest, I didn't actually realise it was called Night of the Living Dead. I think for the last week I've been calling it Day of the Dead. So That's the <laughs> film after the film after this one. There's okay. more so than it, one? There's a few. Uh, yeah. This spawned a franchise. Yeah. Wow. It spawned two franchises, I should say. Whoa. Okay. Well, I knew that it was made in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Does that get me brownie That's points? a good start. No, good. That's, that's perfectly fine. And Andrew, obviously you uh, know a little bit more about this <laughs> um, Yeah. Like I joked about when you, when you were saying you were doing this film, uh, zombie films are kind of my self-medication through high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Romero was a definite hero for me growing up. Excellent. And I, I've seen 
most of his films. Uh, I skipped a few, and a few of the older, the later ones, I didn't quite get through. But okay. this one, I loved. Okay, so in a vague, non-spoilery sort mm-hmm. of way, uh, before we watch this film, um, what is it that sticks out for you about the Night of the Living Dead? Uh, well, of course, you have it's the first zombie film that could be called a zombie film in all respects, um, and it's got a lot of effects in it, but it's not obviously to the level we see today with like The Walking Dead and the 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's real interesting to go back and see how all this cultural zeitgeist has like spawned from. Mm. Yes, and the film itself is turning 50 next year, oh, I believe. Wow. So, you know, it, I mean, it has been around for a while. It may have taken a little time to permeate into the, the popular culture, mm. I guess. But it's, I mean, it's it's definitely here now. Yes. Um, we have a lot of zombies. <laughs> What are we on, season eight of The Walking Dead, mm. and it's And it's not just The Walking Dead. I mean, they've kind of got them in uh, Game of Thrones a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, they, well, they've they got a lot of types of zombies, really. Yeah, and I think it's... It, I mean, I personally haven't seen Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I've seen maybe the end of one of the like dead films, uh, which... Uh, when we were talking about before, you said it, it belonged to uh, not. It wasn't actually a Romero one. It was another offshoot of the series. Yeah, Romero went on and did sequel upon sequel to this film, and then I think it was either his directorial, directorial. Yeah, that's directorial right. or <laughs> writing partner for this film went off and did his own franchise, mm. Return of the Living Dead. Yes, I think that's that's the one that I think yeah. I've seen the last thirty minutes of. So. I think there's five Return of the Living Deads. Mm. And then oh George gosh. A. Romero did six or seven films with variations of Of the Dead. Mm. So, Night, Dawn, Day, then there's Land, Diary. Return? Diary of is the re- Living Dead? No, re- is Return one of them? <laughs> no, Return is the other franchise. Okay. okay. And then there's one or two more. Okay. Well, uh, without any further ado, uh, shall we get into it? Yes, sure. please. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, grab your DVDs and your uh, two-by-fours and uh, fortify yourself in as we watch The Night of the Living Dead. Everybody, welcome back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. We have just finished watching Night of the Living Dead, and I'm joined again by Andrew. Hello. And Nicola Brescianini. <laughs> Yo. Got it right that time. Excellent. <laughs> so, guys, uh, what did we think of the Night of the Living Dead? Nicola, we should start with you as the new viewer to this film. All right. That ending, though. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That... I was wondering Let's about that going in. <laughs> I... I... That was the one thing I was most curious about going into it, how you guys would react to the ending. Mm. Yeah. That was... I mean, like, I'm sure at the time it would have been really shocking, but that was just disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> you sit through that whole thing and then that's it. Like, they just shot him and then, oh, and they don't even... It's not even like they film for, you know, a couple of minutes afterwards. It's like it's shot and then they go straight to the end credits. Yeah. But that's... The story's kind of done. You know, we, we hit uh, the, the end of the story because all of our protagonists that we're following have died you we know. shot him yeah <laughs> you know poor poor ben poor ben is something was one of my final notes just he he really was hindered by everybody in this everyone film. just the guy driving off in the truck and then his girlfriend not getting out of the truck oh judy and then no. mr cooper was mr it? cooper yeah. just doing he's he's you had to get that you know 
he's the archetype for every unreasonable asshole in every single zombie film from here on out. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing that really strikes me because I've obviously watched this film for the first time as well, is just how true to form zombie films have generally stayed. Um, yeah, yeah. Generally, it's one location, mm-hmm. uh, or well, the cemetery, and then the house, and that's kind of it. It's, yeah. But it's mostly in one location. You have the news reports of people not knowing what's going on. There's normally somebody who's reasonably calm and calm, collected and, and has a plan. Goes in charge. Normally. You've got the people are going. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do something different because I'm panicking because I've got a family. Mm. You've got the creepy child. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> you've got uh, unfortunately the mostly useless female character or characters in Barbara. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah, she none up the wall. of the women made any decisions in this film. That whole... Well, no, Judy made a decision. She made the decision not to get out of the car. Yeah, yeah that's true. And killed off the Jim Carrey lookalike. Yeah. Mrs I... Mrs Cooper, uh, one of my things was just Mrs Cooper was very sassy. And I think this is a woman who um although she didn't she made a couple of decisions. She like forced Mr. Cooper to like talk to the rest of them when they kind of lock themselves in the it, basement. I did note down that any time Mr. and Mrs. Cooper had a conversation, Mrs. Cooper was sitting calmly mm. and he was pacing mm. around her. Mm. Yeah. And so she did seem he a lot more really thoughtful agitated. about everything and he was just being Mr. Cooper. Mm. It's a shame they had to kill her off though. Yes. Ah, oh, you know. Well, well, everyone got killed off in this film. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just the way it went. Stabbed went. to yeah. death by your own zombie child. Mm, with a, with tr- a crown. That's a rough way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the ways to be killed in a zombie movie, like, she wasn't even eaten. Actually, she was bitten because she came back. No, because they say in the news reports that anyone who dies comes back. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so kind of like... Uh, so everyone has walking the dead rules. Walking dead rules, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, well, I suppose, I mean, it should be Night of the Living Dead rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, the, the film starts, we're in a graveyard, it's eight o'clock at night, but it's the middle of the day. Uh, it, <laughs> Which I feel like was a line they put in because they just had to film in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, wow, it's still really bright at eight o'clock. They didn't have lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is why that one exterior shot we get later, I think, is really bright. Mm. In the sky, yeah. They, yeah. I'm assuming they had just had to film outside. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but we're in the graveyard. We have John and Barbara who are going mm-hmm. to lay a reef at their um, their father's grave, uh, and that's when we encounter our first zombie in in cinematic history, or at least he in, was good. He was, yeah. Uh, S. William Heinzman is the actor's name. He was mm. credited as Bill Heinzman. What a champ! Um, and I like we have a, we have an undead character that has a narrative throughout the story. It, like he's there at the beginning and he's there at the very end. He's on the bonfire oh. with, with yeah. Him. Wasn't that just the sweetest ending? Yeah. Like, oh look, there he is. You know, yeah. like it was disappointing that he had to die, mm. but you know, to have him lay really, side by side. It's a dramatic love story between Ben and Bill. Then, mm. like, they end up together in the end. It's very Romeo and Juliet. It was. And you know, it's 1960s America. You know, there's lots of Ooh. allegories, like you know, uh, Ben's black and Bill's white, so they can't be together. Also, Ben's alive and Bill's dead. Yeah. <laughs> they can't be together. But they're should... both men. I think. There's a lot of like there's, there's there was a, real a lot keeping story. them apart, yeah. and yet and yet they ended yeah, up together. Ended up together. Oh, sweet. I I do find it really interesting. It's 1968, and we had a strong black yes. male lead. Mm. Yeah, like all the women were pretty useless, more or less. But which was you know are we really surprised was... by that? It was 1968. But to have you're right yeah. to have a um, a protagonist who is African American. Mm. Like how often do you see that even nowadays? 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, through the uh, IMDb trivia troll, which I do each mm-hmm. and every week when uh, looking at these films, uh, the character of Ben was originally supposed to be a crude but resourceful uh, truck driver. So basically Rick Sanchez, I think, from uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crude but resourceful. That would have totally changed the movie. It wouldn't we, we got to get away from these zombies, Morty. <laughs> we got to get these zombies, Morty. we got to get the zombies. <laughs> oh, gee, Rick, I kind of feel just like Barbara right now. <laughs> Anyway, he was a crude but resourceful (laughs) truck driver with no specification to race. After Dwayne Jones, uh, the actor, who was in real life a self-serious erudite academic, uh, after his audition, George A. Romero rewrote the part to fit his performance. Um, So yeah, after meeting Dwayne, he was like, oh, wow, we can have a cool, calm, collected um, protagonist. And I think choosing Dwayne worked for the character. Mm. That was a good casting choice. But it was definitely a brave choice at the time because obviously I mean 1968 that was the year uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated sorry Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated Um, and you know there was obviously huge racial tensions in in the United States Mm -hmm. uh, that we uh, you know that we've really um, seen have have like a big effect on the culture in that country yeah was there much um, clapback well it was an independent film I guess yeah that was Mm. the thing Um, I mean there were, there were certainly shocking things. Uh, seeing uh, the character of Ben, uh, seeing a black man hit a white woman uh, when they yeah. have the slap, yeah. when Barbara slaps him so, and he yeah. slaps her back. I was like, oh, there's a slap. Mm. But she did slap him first. Yeah. Yeah. But, that, but, but you know, it would in, have been in, quite controversial. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the fact that, um, you know, he does, he, he kills Mr. Cooper, and justifiably so. <laughs> he, he kills him. Uh, because he's trying to... Mr. Cooper tries to kill Ben. Mm. Um, but, you know, you see... This is a really great depiction of a character who is black, but is uh, resourceful, is clever, is calm, do, does everything right, uh, or does everything to the best of his ability. And I think um, maybe that was also partly a comment from the filmmakers. You know, maybe George and John Russo, who, who wrote this film, when they decided to to make it a sophisticated educated um During the person process. of color they are basically saying look in this situation when uh, the poop has really hit the fan and we have the undead rising <laughs> it's really little stupid human differences that we have <laughs> it like does race not matter yeah it really shouldn't matter because it's all about being the best that you are yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah but no and, and Dwayne Jones I mean his his performance was excellent he was mm. great yeah he was he was very much so I think like the best performer in this film that monologue as well that he did talking about um, with when he was he ran all the people down oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. explaining right the, the really really cool off screen moment mm. that yeah. they obviously couldn't film yeah but that was a great exploding. monologue. He yeah. did a great job doing that. Yeah, he did a, a really, really wonderful performance. Um, I, I think um, Mr. Cooper as well was was actually a really good performance, playing that real, yeah. you know, a character who's a real dick, a real unlikable character. Anyone else think he looked a bit like Dan Castellano? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that was all I could think. Yeah. I think Mrs. Cooper was real good acting too. Yeah. Oh, Marilyn, Marilyn Eastman. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah she's uh, ben. No, it was a Ben. Tom is the other. Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, what? Jim Carrey. There was Ben, there was Harry, and there was Tom. Yeah, Tom, Tom and Judy. 
almost yeah. Tom and Jerry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was uh, Harry and Helen, Tom and Judy, uh, Ben and Barbara, and Karen, the little kid. And yeah. John. No one forget John. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. real good to see him come back at the end. With yes. His driving I, that, gloves. Th- I mean, that was one of my notes. Was Nicola cheering. <laughs> When the zombies break into the house and John is there with his driving gloves and drags Barbara off to a grisly demise. And you know what? I just thank God he did because (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could have handled another minute of her, to be honest. Yeah, she started off, I felt, really good. The first 10 minutes, I'm like... You're running away. You're doing everything right. The car doesn't work. She you took do the it. Shoes you off. run. Take the shoes off. Run. Find your wasn't way to the house. Wasn't screaming ridiculously. Pick up and a knife. Attention. And then just breaks down and doesn't do anything for the rest of the film. I, I, she was in shock. I, I, it's I, true. I, I think what happened is as soon as she found Ben and was like, "This guy knows what he's doing," she almost just sort of collapsed as a person because yeah. everything was was ending. I mean, if something like that happened in real life, people would genuinely just shut down. No, that's true. They would, but at the same time, and I know it wouldn't always be the case, I feel like at some point your kind of natural instincts would kick in, you mm. know? When, Fight or flight. When they're, yeah, when mm. they're like tearing down the windows and the boards on the, and mm. the, the ironing board that they pasted across the windows. Well, she did save Mrs. Cooper, who then immediately got stabbed. But yeah. She but did yeah. jump to action Yeah, eventually. she did eventually uh, snap out of her stupor, but yeah. And yeah. she did get reunited with John. So, mm. you know. Such romance. Lots of reuniting <laughs> You know. Well, John was her brother, I think. What? Oh yeah, yeah. I think they were brother. And sister. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, no romance. No, they, they, they were because they were visiting their father's grave. No, no. I totally missed that. <laughs> oh, that's even more disappointing. God, this movie. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I thought they were married. No, oh, sorry. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, not a lot of locks used in this film car doors regular doors yeah where are all the keys yeah you know country america 1960s yeah. you could leave around. your door open exactly you know that's the problem with the world these days mm-hmm. you've got the undead walking around yeah. yeah the one lock there was no lock on the gun that gun was very unsecurely stored in the back yeah. of a cupboard mm. <laughs> this but, is the problem with america today yeah. <laughs> but the fuel pump had a lock that yeah. was the key, and the key didn't work. So they just well, shot it off. thank God yeah. they had the gun then. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been sure a massive stop. I don't think a truck can blow up from a tiny bit of fire on the back of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that was a slight issue, but at the same time, like, it was a cool explosion. Like, yeah, it, yeah. And like, And also we got the, the buffet afterwards. Yeah. Where, oh, yeah. Where oh. the barbecue undead meal. are just eating barbecued Tom and Judy. Yeah. 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 And there, got some fun. intestines. Yeah. Got a really shiny liver. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> the way they did it is because they were filming it in black and white, it was all covered in chocolate sauce. So it had like the texture and look oh, of yeah. blood. Oh. But because it's black and white, you can't tell. That's so true. I th- and I guess they wouldn't have been too charred by that point on the inside. Yeah. They hadn't been, been like roasting on the fire. Nicely flambéed. You know, yeah. they kept yeah. the hot side hot and the cold side cold. Hey. It was it was all good. Um, so, yeah, and there's, there's, I think that's a good point to actually discuss the zombies in general, who who aren't actually referred to as zombies ghouls. at any point. They are ghouls. ghouls. They are the flesh eaters, mm. but never the word zombie is actually used. No. Um, as a, as a aficionado of of the undead <laughs> film franchises. Uh, where do these original cinematic zombies stand up for you, Mr. Mr. Andrew? Um, they're very interesting because obviously a lot of zombies from this point onwards follow the similar tropes. They're, they're slow moving, massive horde, um, damage to the head kills them, but also they use tools, mm. which isn't something that comes up a lot. They pick up mm. rocks and they pick up yeah. trowels and stuff to stab people with. 
They're quite uh, the, switched on. Yeah, the zombie for, at the beginning know, goes people. to open the car door. Like, he knows yeah. where the car door is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're, like, obviously, effects-wise, they just kind of have some pale makeup on, a few mm. scratches here and there. Yeah. And one guy an, had a massive burn to you. There was that one guy. Yeah. Like, big chunk taken out. Of his cheek, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... As an effects guy myself, mm. I look at them and go like, oh, you could have done a slightly better job, but also <laughs> it's the first zombie film. Yeah. Um, uh, but you can definitely see where all further future incarnations kind of spawn from. Yeah. And it, w- it was interesting, like particularly that, that first zombie played by uh, Will, Will Bill mm. um, was just looked like a normal guy, just with a bit of a funny face. Yeah. And a stiff, stiff movement. movement. Yeah, but well, I suppose he would have been like recently just died, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was interesting seeing that. And I, I, I do think the really key thing with this film is they really play up the horror concept of the cannibalism. In all the news reports, like all the news readers and the yeah, broadcasters are really going, and reports are saying that they're eating people, you know, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and to us watching this film, having had almost half a century of zombie films, yeah. that concept of mass cannibalism it's a bit gross, but we don't sit there going, my God. Whereas obviously in 1968, nothing like that had really been yeah. seen. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it is interesting how much they choose to focus on that uh, and how that reads in sort of a modern viewing where it takes a little bit more than that to, I suppose, scare or shock a viewer. Um, but the impact at the time of making them uh, cannibals, Reader's Digest uh, tried to warn people away from watching the film, <laughs> claiming that it might inspire cannibalism in the wow. people that watch it. Oh, I was going to ask what the public like reaction was to the film was There was a lot of controversy around it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, this was one of the last films that wasn't a rated film. This was when film rating systems were starting mm. to be introduced, so you know that we, we could have R-rated films and X-rated films and like yeah, 15 plus and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, there were obviously with no rating and people just went, oh, it's a film, Night of the Living Dead, cool. And I think it came out <laughs> that sounds in like the afternoon on Saturday was the first yeah, screening. It yeah, was like a matinee so, screening. So ah. lots, of, lots of kids went and saw it and were obviously mortified when you see like somebody chewing on a hand. or yeah. And that dead body and at the top of the stairs. Yeah, with Ooh, the... Oh, that was gross. Yeah. And daughter stabbing mother with a trowel. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Uh, Roger Ebert, the, uh, you know, iconic American film... Mm. Um, like he chastised people, didn't he, for not checking if it was... He, he sort of chastised everyone. He chastised yeah. people for, like, saying, you got to check these films before you go. But he also chastised the fact that there wasn't a rating for this film. You know, basically right. saying, these films need ratings because otherwise we are going to hurt people. Like, we're going to hurt yeah. young people mm. who aren't mentally prepared for this sort of very heavy content. Um, yeah, and it was interestingly doing the research it was also one of the last big hits of the drive-in movie era oh because oh, cool. that that was starting to sort of wind down in the states i mean there's still a culture that exists but in terms of that big like everyone yeah. going and do it which was very late 50s early 60s this was sort of like the last hurrah one of the last okay. big hits from from that genre um so yeah i think one of the things that really stood out for me as well was the difference between Dwayne's story and barbara's story when they met and Dwayne tells this story <laughs> of something was on fire and there were 50 and 60 of them and I heard the screams of the people no, Wait, things blew up and everything was terrible and then I ran over some of them yeah. so, and like they didn't move do you mean Ben? and yeah sorry Ben oh, sorry, okay. I, I said the actor sorry yeah That's Ben I was confused I was like who was Dwayne did I miss that whole part? sorry no so Dwayne Jones was the actor Ben was the character uh, and so Ben tells this story of like just this awful horror and then Barb's like <laughs> I, 
he rest, he grabbed me and then wrestled John and I lost my shoe. <laughs> It, there was no sympathy there. Was, also, how how badly did John go out? The zombie oh, just yeah. kind of like pushed him to the ground, and he, then he just—I think he just hit his head on the. But they didn't. He didn't really. He didn't look didn't violent. It. No. it was just like but, a light tap. But that's interesting in that a lot of the violent actions didn't look that violent. When mm. we see uh, Ben uh, outside with two or three of the the undead, and he's hitting them with the tire iron, they don't show it. No, not only do they not show it, and there's it, no blood on him either. And I noticed. Not only is there no blood, and not only do they not show it, but his arm movements—it's very unnatural and slow. If you're trying to yeah. cave somebody's yeah. head in, if you're yeah. trying to apply like maximum force, it was sort of a very slow, stuttered movement that didn't even look like it was going anywhere near the head. Yeah. And obviously that's a technique that has improved cinematically. Yeah. I mean, this was an indie film, basically. This film was made for just over $100,000 US. Yeah. And it's also one of the most successful indie films because I think uh, by the end of the year 2000, it had uh, made more than $30 million. Impressive yeah. turnover. Just because just yeah. it's such a big cult following. And... It's very clear watching it, though, um, as a first for me as a first time viewer, and I want to see if you agree, Nicola, um, about the fact that it's very clear the groundwork they laid, and it's 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 just amazing to see so many things that we've come to know but from the zombie genre, from the zombie genre, yeah. but appearing in one film. Yeah, like having you know them isolated to that one location because mm. I mean I haven't seen very many zombie films. It's definitely right. not my uh, my area of expertise mm. but i generally picture you know them finding like a safe house mm. and that's what exactly what they did here they stayed in that one location locked themselves in i was kind of hoping that that um old lady who was eaten alive up upstairs was going to regenerate that was a bit disappointing yeah but she i think dead. someone else had already bashed her head in yeah her head looked in a <sighs> pretty bad state but yeah you're right that um a lot of the tropes and things that we recognize from zombie films mm. were all in this one movie, which, you know, originated it. Mm. Um, so, I think there's a couple of important questions that we need to ask. Okay. Uh, who had the better plan? Was it Ben saying they needed to stay on the ground I, floor, or was it Mr. Cooper saying the basement? There's two sides to this. So, Ben's plan was really... I like his plan, because it's like, we can be up here, it's fine. And they have an and, escape route. And we can get upstairs, we can go downstairs if we really yeah. have to, we can get out the back door. Mm. And, and Mr. Cooper's like, no, we're going to stay in the basement. If they had gone in the basement, zombies might not have come to the inside, they might have been alright. And at the very end, if he had stayed in the basement longer, they wouldn't have shot him in the head and he wouldn't have died. Yeah, because obviously he's walking through the house and the the, um, helpful... NRA going back, <laughs> just wandering past with the dogs uh, hunting the undead they see someone moving in the window and they just shoot him through it because yeah. they're like it's obviously a zombie um, but the thing is yeah. if he'd stayed if they'd originally gone down into the basement they wouldn't have all that information because they didn't have a radio or a TV or anything down there there was no form of communication no, I mean they could have taken it down they would have had to deal with, with the girl with the girl with the child Karen yes I mean well they did uh, well <laughs> um, yeah but, but I mean it would like all of them in that enclosed space and then suddenly one of the children is the undead and then like I think Ben's instinct would be well we've got to kill the kid yeah I don't think Mr. Cooper or Mrs. Cooper would have taken kindly to that that would have been really interesting to see mm. what happened there didn't something like that happen in The Walking Dead uh, wasn't some of, kid bitten I don't know I, f- I, I feel I, like I've seen a an lot episode of, like that uh, yeah. very similar things have happened I would um, say because yeah. my only real experience with The Walking Dead is um, the Telltale video game series mm. Uh, and for those of you who haven't played it, uh, maybe just skip ahead of 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> there is a child character in that who does get infected and they do have to essentially 
kill him before yeah. he turns. Didn't that happen to his son? No, yeah. his son is still going strong. A lot of people... Carl! Would... Carl! Get in the house, Stay in the Carl. horse, Carl! <laughs> um, a lot of people would like him to be dead. Um, there, there are lots of occasions of people being locked in a room with someone who is infected and then mm. they've got to do something about it. Or they're like restrained while someone else is dying. Um, that happens. But no, I'm so sure that I've seen often. this one there, episode. Uh, they're uh, in like a, uh, they they're did, a house? There was a dead girl. Okay. One of the, the female oh. children did die. Um, earlier on yes 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 so when they had like the van and the, there was yeah. like the mother the, with the on daughter the and the mother was getting abused and yeah they yeah. went to the farmhouse and she was on the bed yes spoilers okay. for season 2 oh. of The Walking Dead oh, for 7 years ago if I Sophia, someone else will Sophia runs off into the forest and then shows up later as a zombie okay after they've been spending the entire season trying to find her mm. um I think that's the one episode I've seen okay <laughs> <laughs> That's convenient. So, uh, Nicola, what yes. would what would your plan have been? Would it have been uh, stay in the basement or the ground floor? Um. Ooh, good question. I like. I think they had some really good valid points about staying on the ground floor because they they're able to actually see what's going on. They can judge the situation as need be. Um, they have you know they have food and all that kind of stuff that you know. Keep in mind if they'd brought that down and given it to Harry initially then what's his face Ben, ben might could have just have, stayed yeah, down there yeah. just stay there forever but yeah they they I like the idea of staying out because you have a vantage point and you can kind of keep track of what's going on and if need be you can leave like they tried to do which you know yeah. didn't work out so well or I, you can go down I would take a third option you oh, you thinking upstairs I would definitely go upstairs that's what I was thinking really? and, and I've I've done lot lots of thought into zombie planning mm-hmm. if I'm in a two story house I would take everything upstairs and just, like just demolish the staircase. Mm. Uh, okay. See, for me, I would I would take things upstairs, but I would also home alone the crap out of the mm. bottom floor. <laughs> mm. So you know you'd have to have your warning systems. I think when you've got that vantage point, but also the second story, like the second floor of a house, you you still have escape options. Yeah, you, you can go out the windows out out the balcony. Yeah. but if you've only got the one or two staircases. And they're the zombies like they have in this film. That's yeah. the only way they can come at you. See, I like the idea of... So you destroy of... the staircase and you stay at the top of it and you should be good. I like the idea of you destroying the staircase. Because mm, yeah. I was going to say, if you go up there, like you kind of... I felt like you're kind of trapped. Well, you got, you know, uh, windows and stuff. You could yeah. still get out if you had to. Yeah, and you know... If Easy there's to a... get out from the ground floor. <laughs> True. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Okay, do, do you have an ultimate zombie plan? Um... Not anymore. I should really update it. When I was in high school, like my friends and I, who like lived on zombie films, would mm. debate it all the time. And a lot of the decisions came down to getting out of city centres, going to like our friend's house in Jarradale, or a friend who has a farm, mm. or like my friend's mum's place up in York. <laughs> yeah, um, rural areas, less people. Exactly. Yeah. The, the lower population density, the better is really the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a, a zombie plan at all, Nicole? I have never in my life considered having a zombie plan. <laughs> Would it involve possibly occupying the main castle building in Disneyland and just fortifying that? No, that's too central. But it's it's already a castle. Think, but think fun. how many think how many people yeah, are at Disney. Yeah. You are very, very central mm. if you're stuck inside Cinderella's castle at the that's Magic true. Kingdom. Bunch of zombies with the little Mickey ears on. I don't think that's gonna help. However, no. you also have the opportunity to zip line down that wire that Tinkerbell flies on. That would be worth it. And <laughs> that would be an easy <laughs> easier escape yeah. route than jumping out a two story yeah. window, yeah. Andrew. I think <laughs> I well. think you be- I think your best bet for the zombie apocalypse is um, is go somewhere really cold. 
I think it's go somewhere like Greenland or Antarctica and like because as as you know as undead and you know horrible as zombies are they can't beat the fact that limbs will freeze stiff and they'll That's be unable true. to move. So if you're able to get to like a scientific research base in... in and also lower po- population density. Yeah. So. If you can you get planning? there with like enough food and you could just ride it out because they're all just going to turn into like ice ice blocks and not move. Mm. The only problem with that is then you have to deal with the thing from the thing if you're in an Antarctic <laughs> research base. <laughs> and like come summer you might get some zombies thawing out uh, and yeah. then you have like a horde that's just been frozen in the wasteland <laughs> and actually, for a year. Like ice yeah. age. Actually, <laughs> yeah, actually and now with, with global warming I don't know if that would necessarily You'll run out of ground real quick. Yeah, if you're on that bit of Antarctica that just broke off yeah. it starts Though, floating away. if the zombie apocalypse happens we'll stop putting as much carbon into the atmosphere I guess. My yeah. biggest question is, how do you plan on getting from Australia to it's Greenland? True. you got to have a short-term plan for like yeah. from here. A uh, short-term plan would be find a boat, <laughs> a very a very good boat, <laughs> and just get get from get here there. to Antarctica. Can but you? I would learn. Okay. I would learn very quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You like, have to. It can't be that hard. Point it forward. Go. Vroom. Sure. Jump yeah. out the back and kick. <laughs> so live on a kayak yeah uh yeah no i think to be honest the bet the best bet is probably just go rural mm-hmm. i think go go as far away from people yeah. as you can and um and find higher ground yeah and you know maybe like a nice pointy stick i think that's that's the way pointy to stick is a good Ooh, idea that's my question so weapon of choice katana <laughs> i disagree strongly uh, remove the head Remove the head. Oh, guitar. I thought you said a guitar. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, that'd be funny. That'd <laughs> you know, be good as well. I could also play the guitar and, like, soothe them into, like, some... If you just play the chords to Thriller, Thriller. they'll dance. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. that's true. That's okay. how you placate Failing them. Failing the guitar, I would use a katana. Oh. I, but you need a proper good katana. Yeah. And katanas aren't even as good as people think they are. Oh, they're pretty cool. They are cool. I would... There's, like, this, like, long metal pole in my parents' shed, mm. which has been there for years. Mm. And it's like got a, a pointed end to it and a flat end on the other one. So I think I would carry that around. Versatility. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't actually have a katana. Um, I have one. No, sorry, got stolen. I don't. I lied. Oh, probably someone who's preparing for the apocalypse. <laughs> some other genius. Um, would a baseball bat do? Uh, I think if you get like one of the heavy wooden ones, if you get like an aluminium one, they're hollow. Yeah, we've got a heavy wooden one knocking around. Yeah, you might be all right. That'll do the trick. Wouldn't you prefer to have an aluminium one? No, because they're hollow. They're not very... They don't have as much blunt force trauma. Oh, okay. But, but it, I mean, it's easier for you to swing it back and, and keep well, going. It's harder to Kill bash it. in a skull. Takes more hits. Did so. you guys see that Mythbusters episode where they actually tested a whole bunch of myths about the zombie apocalypse? No. Did they find how easy it was to bash in someone's skull? Yeah, so they tested between um, using an axe mm-hmm. and using a oh, gun. It was really cool. Well, I think I'm going to be the most prepared for the zombie apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, really. Apparently. <laughs> which, so, which one ended up being better, the axe or the gun? I think it was actually the gun, oh. I think, because they thought the axe were gonna, was going to be better. Mm. But the problem is that once you once they got too close, yeah, that you know that was really that, it. Okay. Yeah. They also did um, testing, like trying to stay in a barn and um, having a whole bunch of people I saw that push one. up against the door to and see whether it would cave in or not. Mm. Did it? Um, well, no, they struggled it. with, um, you know, people getting crushed against the door. They right. couldn't, but then they gave them all like tubes to wear around them that couldn't, so they could all push yeah, against each other. Yeah, it was hard to replicate without themselves. actually killing the people so, that yeah. were involved. So, it worked after yeah. that. So your best bet would probably be like 
a barn with safe, safe, with, safety yeah. conscious zombies yeah. and uh, a non-aluminium baseball bat. I think we, if we enact social policy wherein everyone just wears bubble suits all the time, yeah. it'll make life a lot easier for us come the apocalypse. Okay. Mm. I do have a couple of fun facts from the INDB troll yeah. uh, just to share with you. Uh, so William Hinsman, uh, who, who was the first zombie, mm-hmm. uh, based his characteristic saunter and then subsequently all future zombies characteristic saunters <laughs> off Boris Karloff. Oh. I was going to say mm. that that first zombie yeah. reminded me of him. Wow. Karloff played a man uh, in a film called The Walking Dead in 1936 um, where he had risen from the dead and walked with a characteristically ungainly saunter. Oh. Other fun William Hinsman fact, uh, some of the groans he made when wrestling with Russell Steiner um, in the cemetery were authentic because during the struggle, Steiner accidentally kneed Heinzman in the groin. Of course yeah. he did. So, <laughs> I do like the fact of that groan maybe just being an accident. <laughs> it's just somebody constantly being hit in the balls. That's what that noise is, apparently. Oh, it's a hard um, life for zombies. <laughs> and the reason Heinzman was in the film, this is mostly Heinzman facts, I'll yeah. be honest. Um, he was one of the original $300 investors uh, and was cast due to a shortage of available talent. Oh. Um, wow. Was he already an actor? Uh, yeah. But, okay. um, yeah, he had he put some money towards the film because he said, thought it sounded like a good idea yeah. and because he'd contributed enough. It's kind of like a, a, a 1960s Patreon Kickstarter yeah. thing. Um, but, yeah, because he contributed enough, they went, do you want to be this zombie in the cemetery? And he was like, yeah. The very cool. first zombie. Yeah. That's Real a hell of cool. an incentive. Yeah, so he did very well there. Uh, Judith Ridley, who, who played um, Judy, still has well, still had her outfit from the film she yeah. you the pants became painting pants though <laughs> <laughs> so she obviously didn't value it and yeah. the the other fun fact which i think is a very interesting one is that earlier this year two long thought destroyed deleted scenes have been found uh, the scene of helen and harry in the basement and numerous shots of zombies surrounding the countryside are currently being restored by quentin tarantino uh, according to this uh, at being set for a possible 4K cinema release, that along with cool. future Blu-ray and DVD ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that could be very interesting. Although I, I do feel as though this film does have a slight issue with pacing. Yeah, yeah it they they kind of just go from uh, running around, running around, bored in the house. Here's all the characters, and they now let's sit down around. for 20 minutes and watch the TV while it tells us the plot. Yeah, there was a lot of TV. I thought the TV was well used. It was. It, it was. was just uh, it was important. It was used. a hugely important plot yeah. point because yeah. otherwise we wouldn't have all that information about yeah, the radiation. It's true. And but there was a lot of, of telling and not showing. Yeah, the radiation. We haven't even touched on that yet. Well, yeah, the the, the Venus probe. Yeah. Uh, apparently, its radiation was what caused the um, the mutation. The mutation. I think it is so interesting looking at what we consider what, what or what we would consider to cause a zombie virus nowadays. You know, yeah, genetic engineering or some kind. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, that's with technology having progressed and that kind of thing, and it's so like current and relevant mm. to have it be a genetic thing. Whereas back then, with you know, 1968, we hadn't even touched on the moon yet. Like, mm. yeah, so it would make sense that they were so concerned about space and radiation that that would be the cause of it because it, it, we didn't know as much about it as we do now. Nowadays, I don't think we'd think really twice about... Well, it's, just, it's the same thing with Spider-Man. Spider-Man used to be a radioactive spider yeah. and now it's a genetically engineered spider because everyone's like, well, radiation... Yeah. so it's, do that. it really kind of reflects where we are as a society, mm. I think. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, 
let's score the film. <laughs> let's let's give this film a rating. And uh, Nicola, as our as our person who hasn't seen the film before, and as it's your debut, uh, we'll let you score the film first. So we do this rating out of ten. Uh-huh. Uh, it is entirely subjective and we acknowledge that you know trying to apply a numerical value to the yeah. arts is not necessarily always the best thing but we do it anyway so where would you rate this film out of 10 so it should be clear one being that one being rubbish, a real stinker and 10 being, 10 being that should have been the academy award winner of 1968 yeah or um mm, like my personal opinion i it's not the first movie that i'd pick off a shelf mm-hmm. maybe a mm. four or five i think it is um, I think it does hold a pretty good place, though, considering that it's the first zombie movie of all time. Maybe a five. Five. Okay, yeah. no, that's fair. Uh, Andrew, where does this film sit for you in terms of the um, rating? Well, it holds a pretty special place in my heart, being the first zombie film ever made, but it also, it's very aged. Mm. But So I, I would probably give it a six and a half to a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Six okay. and a half, we're going to get you, Barbara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a really good creepy line though the, 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 the way he did it yeah. I thought that was that classic was line I can't so believe good. that that was the brother mm. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know it was the brother <laughs> I clearly wasn't paying attention to the first few minutes yeah. uh, for me uh, if I was going to rate this film I think it, like, it is a significantly important film and George Romero who we'll touch on before we finish yeah. um, has created something that has had like an unprecedented cultural impact on the yeah. way that stories are told in Western cinema and lots of Western media and yeah. around the world. Um, the film suffers from certain quality issues. I think the sound quality with a lot of the it's dialogue. It's hard to hear some of the dialogue, yeah. yeah. The lighting, I think the lighting was quite good. I mean, the fact it was shot in black and white, I think, helped. Once the lights went out in the house, the black and white really popped. Yeah. yeah. Like, the shadow use really worked there. Yeah. Um, Story, the story is is sort of not great, but it also kind of doesn't have to be because the concept behind the film is Mm. so strong that the story is almost more just exploring this concept of like undead cannibals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think trying to add on more of a story would have potentially complicated it too much. I mean, we barely had romance. We had a little bit between um, Tom and Judy before the... They blow up. Before they blow up. And apparently between John and Barbara. Uh, <laughs> that's more of like a fan yeah, more like a just sibling fondness um but yeah we, we we don't really have a lot of those things it's all it's all about the tension that's related to the problem yeah um, so yeah I, th- I th- there's some really strong points Dwayne Jones as Ben is excellent yeah, oh, yeah. um he, he's really good um but it's not a great film mm. that that ultimately I'm look I'm looking at it and going uh-huh yeah okay um I think, for me, it's it's somewhere between a five and a six, and I'm just gonna have to go five and a half. Fair. I I appreciate the film for what it has brought to uh, brought to us and created some genuinely brilliant films from that. Um, yeah. Shaun yeah. of the Dead, for o- example. O- on that note, <laughs> I would suggest anyone who's interested in jumping into classic horror, especially like zombie Romero horror. Jump in with either the original Dawn of the Dead or the original Day of the Dead, okay. which build on a lot of the stuff that's introduced in this film. Mm. It just gives a more tightly wound story with more. It explores a lot more um, in terms of zombie lore and that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, we will. Well, I mean, with George Romero obviously passing on, mm. um, when he 
does return as, as <laughs> these things tend to happen and then he is you know meets his demise again we will review one of them to mark his Good second call. pass Perfect. um yeah so just to finish on uh george romero uh andrew obviously you are a big fan of the man uh, yes, we, we obviously lost him last week which is uh you know very sad uh, you know, at 77, it's not exactly a tragedy, but at the same time, it's still not nice. No. Um, where, where does he sit for you in terms of uh, directors and filmmakers? It's kind of weird because he doesn't have, and I, I don't say it insultingly, but he doesn't have range as such, at least from his other properties that I've seen, which I, I'm mostly familiar with his zombie work. Um, so he's very good at exploring the field which he's created. So he, he took all these ideas, put them in the world, and then he, every few years, had come back and like kind of reshuffle the blocks and see what new interesting things he could do. Um, there's not anyone I could really compare him to. Mm. The closest I want to say, like we touched on earlier, was Tarantino. Mm. Uh, but obviously he doesn't have that same uh, foul-mouthed uh, flair to him. <laughs> um, he looks like Carl Fredrickson. Yeah, sorry, we, we've just got a picture of him up, and he's got the, the big yeah, square the big glasses. Uh, it's a very uh, uplifting photo, I think we have to say. He, nice. do, he does not like the guy from Up. Yeah, but I, I think he's, uh, he's, he's definitely a very important filmmaker. I just wouldn't know how to rank him as such. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was the thing, looking at it, is that he really, he picked one thing, which was zombies, mm. and he stuck with it. But zombies are so important to yeah. modern, popular entertainment culture. Um you know, I mean, you have these films, which then get adapted into things like the thriller music video, yeah. which then get adapted into other films, and then you know, you know, we hit the twenty first century, and we get zombie, uh, zombie, zombie comedies, <laughs> zombie, zombie comedies, zombies. Um, yeah. Well, I was trying to say zombie rom com, like, uh, like Shaun of the, of the Dead. Dead. Oh, that's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, and it also uses music from the original Dawn of the Dead. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So you you have that. You have things like Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest, it's not just that. It's video games like we've discussed with Left for Dead, Left Dead. and um, the Telltale games, the TV with The Walking Dead, um, books, things like World War Z, and things like yeah. that. You know, it's it. All of this is traceable back to George. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, I suppose we just would say, George, uh, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Because um, he's he's left a very he's left a very interesting legacy. I don't I don't <laughs> think maybe it's what he set out to do, but I think he's he's had a very important impact on how we yeah. tell stories, whether he meant to or not. So uh, that is all for today. So uh, Andrew and Nicola, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thank, thank you. you very much for having us. All right, and uh, that's it for this episode. So for those of you listening at home, uh, just a quick reminder that we are available uh, to be contacted on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast page. uh, And when you are there, you can leave suggestions uh, for films that we should review in the coming weeks and months. You can also um, review us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And while you're there, you might as well subscribe as well so you get a fresh, hot episode every week. But that's all from us now. So until next time... They're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) They're coming, Barbara. (laughs)